0: The text for this morning's sermon is Luke 2, the verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, today is Christmas Day, the day on which we may remember the birth of the Lord Jesus. It's a day of great joy and celebration. We may rejoice in God's gift of his dearly loved Son. Jesus came to save us from our sins. He came to give us hope in a life in which we're often confronted with suffering and sorrow. He came into this world to bring peace. He came to restore us in our relationship with God. Christmas is a highlight in the church year. For Christ's birth signaled that after centuries of darkness, the Lord was going to fulfill his promises made to the saints in the Old Testament. For many years, God had not spoken to his people. Israel had not received any prophets from the Lord since shortly after their return from exile. Its priesthood was corrupt, and God's people no longer had a king seated on David's throne. Instead, they were under the dominion of the Romans. God's people were like sheep without a shepherd. They lived in a time of great spiritual darkness. Today, the world's not in much better shape than it was in the days when the Lord Jesus was born. While it's true that the good news has been proclaimed in many nations, many people have forgotten the real meaning and the purpose of Christmas. Even in our lives as God's people, it can happen that we fail to really appreciate Christ's coming into this world. The Christmas story is so familiar to us, that we can be inclined to take it for granted. Today, let's consider the glad tidings the angels first proclaimed to the shepherds in Bethlehem. Let's praise God for sending his Son in order to give us peace in our lives. Let's glorify him for his grace in Christ our Savior. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. A great company of angels proclaimed the good news of Jesus' birth to the shepherds of Bethlehem. They proclaim peace to men, and they give glory to God. In the verses before our text, we read of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. According to the decree of Caesar Augustus, the census was held throughout the Roman world. It required all people to be registered in the towns or cities where they were from. Joseph and Mary were forced to travel from Nazareth in Galilee all the way to Bethlehem in Judea. It's a trip of some 130 kilometers. The most common form of travel in those days was by walking. And Mary was only days away from giving birth to her firstborn son. It's likely they traveled the better part of a week to get to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, there was no room for them in the inn. So Jesus was born in a place where sheep were normally sheltered in bad weather. And after being born, he was laid in a manger. Often we tend to romanticize these events. But imagine traveling for a week, finding no place to stay, and having to give birth to your first child in a stable and laying him in an animal feeding trough. Not much fun at all. Jesus, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, was born in very humble circumstances. Now normally when a king is born, Our royal announcement is made, and the news goes out far and wide. But Joseph and Mary were far from home. They were not in any circumstance to announce Jesus' birth. And so his birth was announced by an angel. You might expect that the angel would make the announcement in Rome, the capital of the empire, or in Jerusalem, where the religious leaders lived. But no, it was made to shepherds caring for their sheep in the fields surrounding Bethlehem. Shepherds were a despised class. Because of their occupation, it was difficult to observe all the regulations of the law of Moses. It was especially hard to keep all those additional customs and traditions added by the scribes and the Pharisees. And because shepherds worked out in the fields away from supervision, and because sheep occasionally went missing, they were not considered trustworthy men. The pious in Israel were forbidden to buy wool or milk or meat from shepherds. Since they were considered untrustworthy, shepherds were not allowed to give testimony in the courts. They were the lowly and the despised in the land. You remember Mary's song about how God would scatter the proud and bring down the mighty from their thrones? About how he would exalt those of humble estate and fill the hungry with good things? Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians 1 about how not many of those who were called were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish to shame the wise, the weak to shame the strong, the lowly and the despised, that all may boast not in themselves, but in Christ Jesus, our Savior. The appearance of the angel of the Lord was a wondrous thing for the shepherds. When the angel appeared, the glory of the Lord shone around them. This was the brilliant white light through which the Lord appeared to his people on different occasions throughout the Old Covenant. It was a manifestation of the glory of God. It terrified the shepherds. They were really scared. But the angel put them at ease. He said he had come to bring good news of great joy. That would be for all the people. The angel said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God used an angel, a heavenly messenger, to announce the good news of salvation, that the Savior, the long-awaited Messiah, had been born. In fulfillment of the prophecy of Micah, he was born in Bethlehem where David was from. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Angels are spiritual beings. They have two main purposes, to glorify God and to serve the elect. Psalm 103 verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Hebrews 1.14 tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve those who will inherit salvation. Angels are intelligent beings. They knew who Jesus was and the purpose for which he came into this world. It's clear from the messages that they brought to Zechariah and Mary and Joseph. The angel Gabriel told Zechariah that he and Elizabeth would have a son in their old age. John's task would be to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Gabriel told Mary she would give birth to a son and was to call him Jesus. Gabriel said he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. He told Mary that the son born to her would be holy, the Son of God. The angel also appeared to Joseph, encouraging him to take Mary as his wife. He explained that the child conceived in her was from the Holy Spirit, They were to call the baby Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. So the angels knew God was coming from heaven to dwell on earth. They knew Jesus was coming in human flesh to save his people from their sins. They knew the baby born in Bethlehem was Christ the Lord, the promised Messiah. That's the good news. They proclaimed to the shepherds of Bethlehem. The testimony of the one angel to the shepherds is confirmed by many angels. A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God. They said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. These words are spoken as a response to the good news of great joy, that a Savior was born. Please know the angels tell us Christ's birth was meant to bring peace on earth. But was there not peace on earth? At the time of Christ's birth, Caesar Augustus was the emperor. He had conquered most of the then known world. He had established what's known as the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, It was under his rule that over a hundred years of civil war came to an end. Caesar Augustus was a ruler who was considerate of the different peoples he had brought under his dominion. He made the Roman Empire a safe place to live and to travel. He brought in a great time of peace and prosperity so, why did the angels speak about Christ's birth bringing peace on earth? In comparison to the previous generations, the earth was in a fairly peaceful state. We often interpret the word peace to mean an absence of conflict, of fighting, or war. But peace in the scriptural sense is much more than this. Biblical peace refers to living. In the right relationship with God. When the angels spoke of Jesus coming to bring peace on earth among men, there was no real peace on earth. There was no peace between mankind and God. At the encouragement of the devil, we rebelled against God, disobeying his express command given in paradise. Since then, mankind had been alienated from God. There has been distance in our relationship. It's not possible for our holy God to commune with sinful people. And also today, beloved, our sins alienate us from God. Our sins make us feel guilty. They create distance in our relationship with our Father in heaven. There's times when we're in denial about this. Most of us like to think we're pretty good people. We think we live decent lives. And that as a result, we deserve God's blessings and favor. But are we really such good people? Consider the world we live in. Why has this past century seen more bloodshed than all of human history combined before this? Why is there still ongoing war in places like Syria and Afghanistan? Why do so many people die of treatable illnesses, of poverty and neglect? Why is there so much violence and abuse and murder in our city? If The world's such a great place. If we're such good people, why is there so much misery all around us? Consider your own lives, beloved. God has promised us he will care for us. He will provide us with all our needs. So why do we so easily become anxious and worried about the future? Why are our lives so often focused on getting what we want? Why do we get angry and frustrated and lash out at others when they get in the way of us getting our goals? Why do we give in to lustful thoughts? Why do we engage in sexual immorality? Why do we cause hurt and pain to others through the words that come out of our mouths? See, beloved, if we're willing to look in the mirror, we'll see that we're not quite the good people that we like to think we are. If we truly compare our lives with how God commands us to live, we will be convicted of our sins. And beloved, our sins form a barrier between God and us. They get in a way of living in harmony, at peace with God. Sin is a stumbling block that prevents us from having a close relationship with our Father in Heaven. That's why Jesus had to come as Savior of the world... To bring peace on earth to men. It's important to note that God's peace does not rest on all people everywhere. The words of the angels make this clear. They spoke of peace among those with whom he is pleased. Not all receive peace. Only those with whom God is pleased. Are those on whom his favor rests. It's true that Jesus is called the Savior of the world. The Apostle John tells us in 1 John 2, verse 2, that Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. You see, beloved Christ came not to redeem just the Jews, but people from all tribes and nations on earth, And yet even though Christ's death was sufficient to pay for the sins of the world, not everyone in the world benefits from Jesus' saving work. God's peace is only given to those with whom God is pleased, those on whom His favor rests. The Greek word used refers to people who are highly esteemed, People with whom God is well pleased, not because of anything they have done, but simply because God, in His good pleasure, chose them to be His people. The angel spoke good news of great joy that would be for all the people. See, beloved, the gospel needs to be proclaimed far and wide so that those upon whom God's favor rests may hear it, and that they may put their faith and trust in the only Savior, Jesus. It is only our Savior, Jesus Christ, who can provide us with true peace. He's the only one who could make the necessary payment for our sins and reconcile us with God. He's the only one who would be able to defeat Satan and free us from his power. Isaiah prophesied that he would be the Prince of Peace. But in order to accomplish this, Christ needed to be a mighty warrior. He had to win the greatest battle that's ever been fought in the history of this world. He had to defeat Satan. He had to crush his head underfoot. You see, beloved, peace is something that's produced out of war. Peace is something that comes at the end of hostility. Peace is the result of the destruction of the enemy. When the angels viewed Christ, they didn't see him as a little baby lying in a manger. They sang to the shepherds about how Christ would bring peace on earth because they saw a mighty warrior had been born. We know that Christ became a mighty warrior, not by wielding a great sword, but by doing the will of his Father in heaven. Our Lord didn't defeat Satan in a mighty battle between angelic hosts, but by suffering our punishment in his death on the cross. Christ's birth was the first step that was required to bring about a lasting peace between God and man. That's why the angel told the shepherds that they did not need to be afraid. That's why he could speak about good tidings of great joy. Finally, after so many centuries, the Messiah was born. The great Lord and King who would restore God's people in their relationship with Him had come. And so, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we too may rejoice on this Christmas day. For today we remember how so many years ago, Christ came into this world to bring about our peace. What's our response to this good news of great joy? Is your heart still touched, hearing the glad tidings of salvation? The angels show us how we are to respond by praising God. Having seen how the angels proclaim peace to men, we come to our second point in we see how they give glory to God. The angels know who was lying in the manger. They knew that the baby Jesus was Christ the Lord. He'd come to bring salvation for God's people living in darkness. He came as a bright light into a dark world to bring life and peace to all those on whom God's favor rests. And so they sing, Glory to God in the highest. Throughout history, the angels have witnessed many of the mighty works of God. The angels were present at the creation of this world. They saw God laying the earth's foundation. They saw him filling the earth with good things. Job 38 verse 7 tells us of how the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Revelation 4 verse 11 tells us of the praise they continue to sing to God for his creative work. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. But none of this praise can begin to compare with the glory and the majesty given to God because of the birth of our Savior and Lord in Bethlehem. At hearing the news of the upcoming birth of the Savior, both Mary and Zechariah broke into song, praising God for his redemptive work. Mary sang, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Zechariah prophesied, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. A great company of angels appeared to the shepherds at Jesus' birth. They sang glory to God in the highest. God's wisdom, God's power God's love, God's faithfulness, God's mercy, and God's justice. They all reached their highest expression in the baby lying in the manger who had come to die on the cross. Glory to God in the highest because of the birth of a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The scriptures present the angels as the choir directors of God's people. Their songs have been put to music, and through them we may give glory to God on earth. And in heaven the angels also continue to give glory to God and to lead us in our worship of Him. Revelation 5 tells us about how the Apostle John heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might, and honor and glory and blessing. Revelation 7 speaks of the great multitude of people from every tribe, nation, people, and language, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Revelation 19 tells of how the great multitude in heaven shouts, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. The Christmas story gives us reason to follow the angel's lead and to give glory to God. We give glory to God in the songs we sing. But that's not all. Really, our whole life is to be a sacrifice of praise to God. God's first command for our lives is, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, give glory to God. Make him number one in your life. The first petition of the Lord's Prayer is, hallowed be your name. In other words, glory to God on the highest. We are are to so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that God's name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. All of life, all of our lives, must be directed to the glory of God. God, must come first. But beloved, we have a hard time learning this and an even harder time living this. We so quickly forget about the Savior of the world who came to bring peace to men on whom God's favor rests. So often our hearts are focused on ourselves instead of on God. So often we neglect to give thanks for the wonders of God's salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why we need to learn and to relearn the angel's song, so that today and every day we repeat the words of the angels Glory to God in the highest, praise Him for sending His Son to save us from our sins and for giving us peace again. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing from hymn 19, stanzas 1 and 3.